Welcome back to the Dare to Dream podcast. My name is Vincent Manpen. I'm Gregory Russell Benedict. And this is a podcast to inspire you to embark on the adventure of your life. Greg, what an adventure it has been. It's the last day of your time in Japan. The last day of my two-week trip to visit Vinny in Japan, and I have had zero fun. It's been quite boring. We've been in this apartment for most of it, just kind of doing what we usually do at home, just getting work done. Uh, we went to Fukuoka and Nagasaki in Kyushu. We talked about it uh, two episodes ago. That was prior to departure. And now you're heading back today. And we have had some soul-nourishing, just thirst-quenching adventures, my friend. <laughs> I have had at least one bowl of ramen, sometimes two, each and every day of the trip. So I'm at least at 15 bowls of ramen. 15 bowls of ramen, about 60% noodle at this point. <laughs> Your arm's a little noodly. Half man, half noodle. That's right. That's how I like to keep it. Nice ratio. Uh, but I wanted to start about... So we're just going to kind of walk through the trip so far because there's been some serious moments, uh, rev revelatory moments that we have... Just had so many beautiful thoughts and grappling as we usually do together. But the first thing, if you're watching this video, you'll notice that Greg and I both have tattoos. And we got them here in Osaka. And it's something that we were discussing for a while, this concept. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum <laughs> on the podcast. But talk about a little bit more today. Live a story worth telling. And this is definitely a story telling how we got the uh, tattoos so i got mine is in japanese kataru ni taisuru wo ikuru. means i love fried chicken <laughs> right i thought it meant something else but you screwed me over uh yes yeah, so i got it in japanese you got live a story worth telling on your arm and man so psyched so every time we look down at these arms of ours we see a bolt similar to Harry Potter's Bolt of Lightning, but a bolt of inspiration, telling us to go and live a story worth telling. Go do something courageous. Go live your best life, free of fear. And, you know, as we discussed before, our courage is the only quality that you can't fake because in being courageous in and of itself, you have to overcome fear and do the thing, even if you're scared. So hopefully these tattoos inspire us. They inspire me, buddy. And in getting to that, in getting the tattoo, we were already living a story worth telling. We took a train out to the outskirts of Osaka, and I thought this was my first tattoo. So I thought it was going to be an experience that I could work with the tattoo artist. I could tell him what I wanted. He'd be like, no, I think we should do this. Turns out that he doesn't speak any English. So my first tattoo, Vinny's third tattoo, was a story worth telling in the sense that we really didn't know what we were getting into, but it turned out perfectly. He spelled all of the words right on my arm, and it was just a surreal experience. It really was. Yeah, we went. It was, it was quite special because it was like a month in advance. I started to do some research, found this guy on the outskirts of Osaka. We had to take a little journey, and it was cool how it wasn't just like you stumble into a, you know, on the main drag in the center of Osaka. It was like we were out in a real local like suburban area and had to like ask people where the, we couldn't even find the place, had to ask old woman sweeping the street, like where this tattoo parlor was. 
felt like going into his apartment. We go there, just like smoky, smoky filled room. Take your shoes off, put on slippers, so Japanese. And it's just the guy like pokes his head around the corner, just like, Kishwa, like, how are you? And yeah, soon realized that he did not speak any English. But, you know, did some translating. I did the best I could with my scant knowledge and got it done. It was hilarious, so cool. Uh, Japanese take things, they take quality seriously. And I had no doubts that it would have been done with the utmost quality. And <laughs> I'm slightly disappointed, but yeah, they're great. Very excited. I had many doubts. Yeah. And two funny things from this experience. The first thing that I saw when we walk in is not our tattoo artist, whose name is Mitski, but the other guy didn't, didn't get his name. He's just tattooing his own leg, his upper thigh, this huge like demon head with crab claws coming out of it, just doing it freehand. And as Vinny mentioned, it's smoky. We're like, is this the right spot? It was hilarious. It was unbelievable. And then the other thing that was hilarious is, I don't know if it was lost in translation or what, but Mitski originally told Vinny that his tattoo was going to be like this big and that it was going to be his whole forearm. Yeah, I thought I was going to have to do my entire, I was like, and I was just, wow, well, am I going to give this thing up? I don't think so. Or am I about to get a full arm tat? And I was about 70% about to do it. But luckily, yeah, I figured it out and was able to kind of minimize it a bit and it's quite ideal. So my friend, we got him permanently implanted on our skin with a story worth telling. And, you know, we've had incredible experiences in the past and it's just the beginning, but this is a true testament of how seriously we take this, this passions and this path that we're on. But this also brings up a point of like, I feel like we both had, I mean, this will go to the next story. Another revelatory kind of thing is to take things less seriously and to just enjoy the process and enjoy life in this journey as much as freaking possible. So why don't you tell them? So we went to Fukuoka, awesome city, ate a lot of ramen, just very chill, great vibes. Nagasaki is when things really got interesting. Nagasaki is definitely when things got interesting. But before we get there, I think it was one of the nights in Fukuoka. We had had some ramen, we'd had some lemon sours. And some of the discoveries, there's many, but one of the ones for me was that it's actually through optimizing for enjoyment that you live a story worth telling that you can have the most impact in other people's lives. For the longest time, I thought success was what I wanted. It was success and only success. And that was how I was going to be personally happy. That was how I was going to positively contribute to the lives of others. But what I realized on this trip is that a lot of the things that make me really, really happy are good for me and good for others. So in optimizing for enjoyment, if I'm showing up every day as very happy and playful, I'm going to get more done. I'm going to be more productive, more creative, and I'm going to help more people. So it's taking some of that pressure off of only focusing on success. And it's like every great philosopher that we listen to talks about, you don't focus on success. It's a byproduct that comes when you're pursuing your passions, when you're on this grand adventure. Mm -hmm. And that was a big moment for me is that it's okay to really enjoy yourself and to aim at enjoyment as the thing you're optimizing for, as long as the things you enjoy are helpful, they're not destructive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes the word optimize for me sounds a little structured or that you have to like make sure everything is like perfect. 
correlated with like perfection, mm. like optimizing for like this test. I would say, I mean, it's obviously nothing wrong with it, but maybe another way to say it is to just uh, let yourself enjoy the process and the journey more. Like instead of like pushing for enjoyment, kind of just drop your guard a little bit more and allow yourself to. It's like for me, I like that. Yeah, like for me, it's like I put pressure on myself that I have to be doing these things and to get to this place where we have to go. I almost can't enjoy it. Like this was my what's it problem, but something that I just like thought about a lot in Europe over the summer and my first uh, almost nine months in Japan is: Am I enjoying the just being here, being alive? You know, as much as I should be. Since I'm so focused on creating and kind of taking advantage of the experience, so I think it's and we'll get into just how this all plays in with Kevin Kelly and such, but. Just dropping the guard of like those things you have to do and just allowing yourself to understand that just by just by being on the path that you're on, if you have that aim um, of something, you have something you're aiming at, if you know what that is and you know that if you are taking steps in some capacity, honestly, like really anything at all, it's probably a lot better than most people are doing. If you like have this dream that, you know, is inside of you or if you're just seeking what even your first passion really is, it's like if you, your aim might just be, I want to know what I'm interested in. I want to know what I'm curious about. I want to know what I could actually do that would be make life a little bit more fun. Once you have that aim, to be able to drop the guard and drop the have tos and the perfection mentality and just say, I'm just going to enjoy the process of trying to find out and enjoy the journey of moving forward. I really like that idea of dropping your guard, lowering the barrier yeah. to life flowing mm -hmm. and seeing what happens. And you so, just mentioned Kevin Kelly. We haven't given any context for that yet, but <laughs> Kevin Kelly is this incredible thinker. He's the co-founder of Wired Magazine. He's been called a futurist, an optimist, and he recently went on the Rich Roll podcast. We've been listening to this podcast of Rich Roll interviewing him, and there's so many good things in it. I think we take a detour there to touch on some of those and then we go back to the trip because great. the whole lens of the yeah, trip yeah, was yeah. through that. And where I want to start with it is he gives an assignment to everyone in their 20s. He says, in your 20s, you should spend some time goofing off. You should do something. I'm going to let you come in with the quote. Yes. Uh, do something in your 20s that looks nothing like success. That experience, as unsuccessful as it might look then, might become the touchstone for your success later on. Yeah, and he talks about goofing off in your 20s, doing something that doesn't look like success, doing something just because you want to, because it's that intrinsic motivation. It can be weird, it can be unique. It doesn't need to necessarily lead to something, but in that paradoxical roundabout way that everything seems to happen, down the road, it's probably gonna mean something. It's probably gonna be part of your story that's worth telling. Absolutely. Yeah, there's it's so much, it's so interesting because further on, they talk about like he had, I forget the guy's name, the guy from The Office, uh, really funny, Rain, Rain, Rain Wilson or something. And he just saying like, your 20s are for fucking off. They're for just literally goofing off, just failing at things. Like a big point of this is to actually be doing things. That doesn't necessarily mean it's like progressing a career or anything. It just means doing things that might be interesting to you, creating art, uh, whatever even that means. And just truly enjoying 
that experience of being live. And they said they posted that clip of like him saying that, and it's about fifty fifty. A lot of people were like, you know, understood it and it kind of helped them. But then a lot of people were like, you know, we're in our twenties and you don't know what it's like. I have like, how am I supposed to pay for my? I can't afford to just fuck off and do nothing. I can't afford, you know, I have to. Obviously, there's not excuses, but there's there's many ways you can see that. But, Realities. Okay. Yeah. And they're saying like, it's a privileged position to be able to just say, yeah, just fuck off, do whatever you want. Uh, you know, in your 20s, you're supposed to just have fun. And that's something we grapple with too. Um, but we keep going back to it really being the, not the way, but like it is. So basically the next part of it is. Can I say something to that real quick? Yes, yes. For me, when I heard that, I think I understood the dichotomy of, reaction one i mean we read a whole book the defining decade about how your 20s are for building social capital and having those experiences i think for me what comes up is he's talking about goofing off in an exploratory way a way where you're getting to know yourself you're getting to know the world and that doesn't always look wholesome right maybe that looks like singing karaoke at 3 a.m in nagasaki which we'll get to later but it's it's opening yourself up to the world it's not closing yourself down and kind of just just doing destructive behaviors where mm-hmm. you're just staying inside and playing video games all night and you're you know doing all of that so that's that's what comes up for me is that there's there's good ways to goof off and there's bad ways to goof off sometimes you don't know which is which and you have to explore that and mm-hmm. you know dance with a foot in each for a bit totally yeah it's it's a great point it's it all comes down to basically the crux of it is the 20s are your time to explore the time to be curious and you can't put up barriers of like, this is what I should be. This is what I should be doing. Uh, I'm in this career. It's making money. And something that's important about that first quote of Kevin Kelly is that what does success mean? Like he says, do something to 20s that doesn't, that looks nothing like success. And we're like, cause like we posted about the podcast and put that quote in. We're like, well, that makes it look like the podcast is about <laughs> successful. But well, if you think, I think what's getting at is like monetary, traditional success. Yeah. Do something that doesn't look like you're progressing a career or that you are, you know, from the asset looking in, successful. You're making money, you're rich, you got the girl, you got the car. Uh, that stuff is, yeah, it's a facade of success. And do something that looks like the opposite of that. Something that looks like, well, that looks like you actually want to do. And this leads perfectly into what I wanted to touch on next is he says that especially when it comes to your passion and finding your passion, it doesn't matter where you start. You don't have to get it right the first time because you're passionate or what you're passionate about, you never end up where you started. Hmm. Look at anyone who is well known for a specific thing. They didn't start there. It's always this meandering path where they just explore, they're goofing off, it slowly changes and evolves. Yes. So. I know for me personally, I put so much pressure on myself for the first four or five years after college to find my passion, to figure it out. I wanted that lightning bolt moment where I just woke up one day and knew what I was supposed to do. And it wasn't that at all. It was in getting started on something that I started to put the puzzle pieces together. Mm-hmm. And I know that where I started is not where I'm going to end. I'm, where I am right now is probably not where I'm going to end. Dude, it's yeah, so, many, so much good stuff. It's so he said, like Ritual says, that passion is a product of action. It's not the other way around. Waiting around to so you're stuck with what you're passionate about 
as a precursor to action is the way most people think about it. And that leads to paralysis and protracted period of confusion. So if you're doing like, if you're, you know, in your twenties and saying like, I, I just don't know what I'm curious about. Like, I don't know what I'm passionate, nothing's calling me. It's like, well, are you trying things? Are you literally dropping your guard and saying, I'm gonna go take a dance class. I'm gonna do some, I mean, this, he has so many good ideas of like, do something totally new on every year on your birthday. Just try new things and I could get better at this. I'm sure we all definitely could, but yeah, I love that. <clears throat> he also says like the more unique or special people ultimately are in the end, it's likely that the further away they started in the beginning, like for him, this is so helpful for me because my whole thing is this whole time has been like, there's no, there's no job for the things that I love. Like, and that's for so many people, like it's creating, it's storytelling in a way that is <clears throat> more of a book than just like a, a blog post, but it's both. <laughs> it's kind of explaining how travel makes me feel instead of just saying like what you should go and do. Mm. And I haven't found a, like a magazine that I want to work for. That's not like uh, eight reasons you should, what, what's happening in Tokyo this weekend? I mean, me thinking out loud here, like I'm not opposed to those things, but like what I truly love is just exploring my inner world as I explore the outer world. And I love creating videos. And so he's like this guy, Kevin Kelly, he spent his entire twenties just exploring Asia. Like you can do it at that time and still now uh they're like world packers and like you know workaways and stuff he spent his entire 20s just with his camera and exploring asia and trying to just see what the world was all about and i honestly this is the first time i've heard this guy but he feels like my spirit guide like just from listening to half of this podcast because he didn't have like a this is a job that you know oh this is what you love to do this is the job you do took him probably a long time to create his own job and in our modern day i think that is becoming more and more important so it could become the most important thing to do as many different things as possible and bring them together somehow some way in your own way in time <laughs> he's kevin kelly is a thought leader about the future about ai and he was really talking about how the future he's imagining is one where you're successful throw that word away you have influence and monetary success in the future if you're extremely creative and unique so it's through focusing on becoming more of yourself and what your unique special talents are then in the past it was more about just following the traditional set lanes you know mm -hmm. doctor lawyer accountant whatever yeah. and he says don't focus on what is it don't focus on being the best focus on being the only right Focus on being so uniquely, be such a unique set of skill sets and assets and thoughts and personalities that you are the person that people turn to for whatever it is that thing you're known for. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't have to be just like, this is from a creative kind of lens of like, we both love to inspire people and talking about these things, but it, it's... It's, it's creating, I mean, it's creating art, it's creating anything that, you know, that is strange, weird and inside of you and just pursuing, like it doesn't even have to be creating in a sense. It's, it's really anything at all that calls you. One, one thing I want to go back to, because I remember, 
I think you told me about it before I listened to the podcast and I was like, oh, well, that's easy to do back then, but not now. It was the piece about, he talked about how he would, he traveled all throughout his twenties without money. Right. I was like, well, how do you do that? Cause I just went on this trip for 14 days and it's been super expensive, but he explained more in the podcast that it's, you're working at the hostel you're staying at. So you don't have to pay mm-hmm. the hostel or you're doing one of those wolf woof wolf, yeah wolf farming where you're working on a farm and you're getting paid and then you're traveling or you save up a bunch of money you go travel for six months and you come back make more money so there are ways to do it and i loved how he pointed out most people have enough money to do it but they don't have enough time right. they aren't let me change that they aren't allocating enough time toward it because if you really want to go travel you just have to free yourself up mm-hmm. you have to lower some of that guard and find ways to make it work. Simplify. But yeah, I, I worked at a hostel over the summer and like just the, and goes back to like me not having a specific job for the things that I love right now, but like I still gonna have day jobs and it's cool how our perspectives continues to evolve and change. Like we came out, started this podcast gung-ho on quitting your day job, like go for your dreams. But now it's like, yeah, I'm gonna, if I need, I need to make money. So like I'm letting, continue to pursue day jobs that help me learn and help me grow and do interesting things. So I worked at a worked at a hostel in Lisbon over the summer and then on a farm in Italy. And like those experiences were so cool. And you just get free lodging and maybe meals, maybe you get paid a little bit, but the free lodging is pretty great. And so yeah, side note there. Should we jump into Nagasaki next let's jump into Nagasaki tell the stories let the audience decide whether it was goofing off in a exploratory or destructive way so we go to Nagasaki part two of the trip and the first night we get there and it is just pouring rain Nagasaki is interesting obviously it was hit by the atom bomb 1945 and similar to Kobe which is a city close to Osaka and that is it's port city so it's like got these european influences and it was we both just loved it like it's got just the most like charming alleyways it's kind of this european cobblestone mixture with the japanese just quintessential you know beauty and just fascinating so it was already awesome in the pouring rain and we get there the first night and you know no no have tos but we go out we find i was doing a little bit of research on the train and right about this rooftop shrine. And I saw like there was this red staircase that leads up to it. And we just stumbled up, stumbled upon it as we're out, uh, going out in the town. And first experience of the night is just us up at this rooftop shrine, looking over Nagasaki in the pouring rain. And that really set the bar for some fun. Really set the tone. And Nagasaki is so cool because as Vinny mentioned, there's all these little quaint alleyways that feel really magical. You feel like you're in a different world, but then outside the city, it's almost like it's in a valley and then it just goes up with hills and there's amazing green trees and bushes and foliage. It really feels like you're in this other world. Mm-hmm. And I think because it rains a lot, it's so green and vibrant yeah. and it was crazy. Yeah. We would look through an alleyway and at the end of the alleyway, like way down as far as we could see, it would just like go up into the woods and it looked like almost the- like, in inception when like the building the city is like folding in on itself it was wild it was nuts yeah so so vibrant very beautiful and so we go out we stumble upon this first first like showa era bar which is like from, like the 1930s to like the 80s in japan such so as like the classic 
you know, 1950s like American culture is baseball and uh, futuristic, that weird like retro futuristic. It's the same thing with Showa Air Japan. So this bar was that same vibe and super cool. We asked the guy next to us, um, sorry, well, we, we ate his food. <laughs> yeah, after after we accidentally ate his food because the, the waiter kept bringing us their food and we're like, oh, is this a free snack? <laughs> free yakitori, great. <laughs> Yeah, eventually he's like, is that uh, yours? Like, oh, no. Sorry about so that. So after profusely apologizing, <laughs> yes. we made yeah. friends. Yeah, we asked him the place to go and got some great recommendations. And we're stumbling along uh, Shin... Uh, Shinkashi? Shinbaishi. Some alley. Yeah. Some famous alley. Shinbaishi. Yokocho. And um, it's like, yeah, the bars and Good area, just yeah, is a kai's and bars. And we go one way down and then we're on our way back. And this familiar face, like popping out the window, and wants to say something to us. And we're like, he's like, hey, uh, like, are you guys drinking? Like, yeah, we're kind of just getting the lay of the land. And he's like, well, where are you going? Well, don't really know. And what do you suggest? He's like, well, I always drink here. Like, Can we come in? And I look around, it's like a six person bar. And we like asked the asked the bartender and two people leave the bar and go upstairs to like make room for us. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay. Guess that's what's happening. And oh, we go with our new friend and we all three of us go upstairs as well. And so I guess they didn't use the downstairs area, but get up there and there's like three tables. Um one of them's open, the other one is occupied by the two who just went up there. And then we sit down with our new friend and uh <laughs> The mega highballs start flowing, and after about 40 minutes, what happens next? Man, one thing led to another. So we're upstairs in this quaint little Japanese bar. Everything's made of wood. We're sitting on overturned milk cartons, right. a little wooden seat on top, and our new friend Mitz is just telling us what he's doing in Nagasaki. So cool. He's a dreamer just like us. He basically is frustrated with the Japanese school system so much that he decided he wanted to start his own school. Mm. So he's in Nagasaki to start a school. We get chatting. We're drinking some lemon sours. Things yeah. are going well. And to make a really long story short, we ended up getting everyone upstairs together. We pushed the tables together. We're showing them American drinking games. We're having an absolutely grand time. Yeah, it's six, like nine of us. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the servers are getting in. After a while, they're, they have their own drinks going. We're all just playing, drinking games, having a ball. And after that, we're like, well, let's go to the next spot. And they take us to go get sushi. And yeah, I was just having a hell of a time. From sushi, we go karaoke, like three in the morning, out until the sun comes up, pouring rain. And it was just one of those experiences that makes you so grateful. I mean, there's gotta be some sort of energy out there that mits you know, similar people. So kind of him to like mm. go out of his way to invite us in. Want to know what we were up to? I mean, he made our whole night. His little act of poking his head out of the bar at the two foreigners who had been wandering around and saying, "What are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, do you want to come here?" It changed the entire night. And then we had the unique opportunity to go out with five to seven. <laughs> who knows how many of us there were? Japanese locals. Yeah, and they were they were so friendly. I <laughs> made a joke that after a few lemon sours, the language barrier didn't stand a chance. I had I had hour long conversations with people 
where they were speaking Japanese, I was speaking English. We didn't understand <laughs> each other at all. We're making hand motions, we're smiling. And it's such a cool experience. Like when he said the sushi at midnight, then the karaoke, and just this melding of our cultures. And it didn't matter that we couldn't understand each other. It didn't matter that we were all strangers. No one knew each other. But by the end of the night, we felt like such tight friends. And they said they walked us all the way back to our hostel and said goodbye to us for like five <laughs> minutes. Like... Arigato, Matane. And that was revolu- revelation number two. That, you know, back in the day, I mean, we've grown quite a bit uh, in very little ways, but <laughs> it's just that, like, we might have been the next morning, we were quite hungover. We get up and we might have beaten ourselves up for it. I mean, I, like, my old version of me probably would have been, like, still trying to get out there and, like, do as much as possible in Nagasaki. Your old version of you, what would you be doing? Oh, man, full existential life crisis. <laughs> yeah. What am I doing in my life? Why am I? But, like, we were so happy we did it. It was, those are the experiences that that make you grateful to be alive in a foreign country. And made me think of Anthony Bourdain, some of his best advice. Drink heavily with locals. <laughs> when you get the opportunity. When you get the opportunity. So basically, saw this, another friend. Uh, sent me a clip of Anthony Bourdain speaking. And so he is, I mean, one of my biggest inspirations for sure. And I had another revelation I'll come to later, but he says, if, you're in, if you get the opportunity to go to a foreign country, you're in Taiwan, you're in Japan, you're you know anywhere, Spain, don't, <laughs> it's kind of something an old school thing, but like, don't order the club sandwich at the, like, eat as much of the local food as you can, drink, Whenever you get the opportunity with locals, like don't be afraid to ask that person next to you for local recommendations. Like use that opportunity to just break down through your own fear and just truly experience something that we're so fortunate to be able to experience. And that so, I mean, few people really get to have like a time like that. And it comes from the smallest act of just being open and, you know, I was telling you yesterday that I saw some Americans in, in Osaka that they're drinking and I was sitting out front of a restaurant and one of the guys just like threw a can into the bushes and it, his friend was like, oh, dude, come on, like, don't do that. Then they just left it there and I had like one moment like, should I just go pick it up? And I didn't and I regret not doing it because my like urge was to go pick it up. I'm like, well, I guess it's not really my responsibility. But you were telling me initial gut reaction is probably and i don't want to make like them this is my you know i was like i don't make them feel bad for like picking up their trash and being like you idiot (laughs) but it would just be a good thing to do but anyways us getting at the fact that don't be an ass like be polite be gracious truly sink into how special of an experience as that is and just enjoy the ride like you're gonna get made, made fun of if you're in a foreign country you're going to have to have some thick skin and just like laugh and just be open to it because like, it's not saying that if you're walking down any street in Japan, you're going to get called in by some local, like more often than not, we got turned away from every sushi bar we tried to get into in Nagasaki. And sometimes you don't know if it's just because you're a foreigner or if you, they don't actually have room, but like tried to get into one and the guy just immediately just said no. And then an old Japanese man is standing outside and, Sushi, do you want to eat sushi? <laughs> like, yes. 
And he like, goes in, peers his head into the door, and like, tries talking to the sushi chef. And he comes back outside. He's like, ah, Nane, like, sorry, it's not going to happen. Okay. It's like, it is what it is, but at least give yourself the opportunity, be open to it, and don't take anything personally, and you'll have some great memories. You know you're doing something right when an old Japanese man outside tries to go for go to bat for you, <laughs> to get Seriously. you in. What comes up for me in that, what happened on this whole trip is that you have to be willing to speak up, to speak to someone. That was the unlock for pretty much every fun and interesting situation we got into was us talking to strangers. And it's really fun being over here in Japan because we had so many people just come up to us, ask us where we're from. I had a <laughs> terrible conversation with a woman in 7-Eleven this morning. She spoke no English and was trying to ask me what I'm doing because I was wearing my big backpack. But it's so fun talking to strangers and trying to communicate when you know that there's zero chance that you can understand each other, but just yeah. going for it anyways. You got to do it. You got to do it. So we had the realization that like sometimes we're traveling. It's not just the what you're doing during the day, seeing the sights that is truly the experience. Maybe the experience is giving up one day and having a once in a lifetime just night out with some locals or your friends or just having a night in town, like letting go of, I gotta be in bed by 12 o'clock to have a big day tomorrow. Let yourself have that truly insane experience because those are the moments that You'll always remember. You might remember seeing that that shrine. They are great. We love them. We love the monuments, what have you. But it's like those partying with the locals are. We're never gonna forget that. Yeah. Out of all of Nagasaki, like that is what's gonna last with us forever. And then giving ourselves permission the next day to sit in that cafe all day while it was pouring rain and just write and journal and read. Like that was one of my favorite experiences too. Totally. It was so nice getting to do that because I don't do that at home. Traveling is really what you make of it. It's what you want to do. Sometimes you need to take a break and just chill. You don't have to push yourself. Sometimes you want to go out. Sometimes you don't want to do anything. Sometimes you want to go on a hike. Do what you enjoy. It's all about just seeing something new, being a part of a different place, different culture, different type of people. And I mean, those are the experiences where you realize that we all really are the same. And we all just want to have a good, I mean, I just want to have a good time. We all want to find love. We all want to connect with other human beings and share something meaningful, I think. Mm, amen. Yes. So that kind of brings us to, well, another revelatory moment for me. I was realizing that, you know, I have this kind of pressure to create when we're in different places like this. Like, I have to be putting together videos. And I just know we were talking about some of our biggest dreams. And I really accepted the fact that, like, I do want to be the next Anthony Bourdain. Let's go. <laughs> like, you know, obviously it's very different backgrounds, upbringings, type of people. But what he did, I believe, why I loved his shows and his books so much, is he made you feel that place. And he bridged the hearts, cultures, and people. And it's not like after a while he stopped even explaining the food because, you know, only say it's delicious so many times but food is obviously a part of it and especially like in japan food and drinking is so integral to the culture but he just brought cultures together he brought people together and he told those stories of people who are you know every walks every type of walk every walk of life and told their stories in interesting ways and 
I just like, I couldn't get enough of seeing those different places and kind of feeling that heartbeat of the different cities you'd go to. And I had this, like, you know, I haven't, ex my whole journey so far has been like, oh, Anthony Bourdain has been such a big influence, like, but I don't really know what I'm going to do and such. But it's, a, it's been a daunting thing to accept, like, that is what I want. Like, in the end, I don't know how I'm going to get there. And this is part of this whole concept, but I would love, like, I love making videos because I love to make you feel something like this reel that we're putting together, just a minute and a half of just chopping up our week, two weeks together. Like, it's so cool to make you feel just like, feel the energy of those moments. And I truly do love that. And then also realize that I love writing because you could have that experience that night out and you don't have to be in the moment. Like our, to this as well but i love writing because i could reflect i could sit in the cafe the next day and reflect on why the experience is so cool blending my personal thoughts and emotions in with like the actual experience yeah you don't have to have your camera out in the food dish like getting in the way of the conversations and the experience you can have the experience then and the next day write about it that's why i love writing as well exactly and this is how it can relate to other people is that i felt this pressure to because I'm in Japan for all this time, like you gotta be showing my, they're my brother on the bus, but it's just because he loves me and he wants the best for me. He's like, dude, you gotta be making these videos. Like, like I've never, like one time I was FaceTiming him on a bike home through my neighborhood, just like cool house, Japanese house and stuff. And he's like, I've never seen anything like this. You gotta be making videos, like showing. TikToks know. three times a day. It's like, you got like people aren't blowing up on Instagram. Like if you're gonna be big, it's gonna be TikTok. So I'm like, I don't like to, like, I, I don't watch TikTok, but I guess I gotta just make videos and start putting them on there. And I don't want to. I really just don't want to. And I like Instagram because I just like, I like pictures and I like showing those like little snippets of everyday life. But for some reason, TikTok just isn't my vibe. And we were out with this other creator in Nagasaki, this awesome artist, digital artist, who's traveling the world pretty much living on the road, living in different cities. And he just creates these like magical worlds on his iPad and he has hundreds of thousands of followers. It's pretty much living the, the dream. Like in my, as a creator, that is what I would love to do. But we were out and the three of us, and we stumbled in this smoky little uh, bar restaurant where you're just smoking your own meats and vegetables around the charcoal grill in front of you. And we were just talking about like, you know, vlog, like to be a vlogger, like that would have been the coolest experience to capture. But I don't want to sit there like filming the different cutscenes of like this little, uh, you know, experience. And this is also why I kind of grapple with like being the next Anthony Bourdain because part of me feels like I have to be creating that stuff to get to that point. But this experience made me realize that I don't have to. And it's if you have your camera, if you would have had your phone out at that little grill your own meats place, yeah. the Japanese people next to us wouldn't have been talking to us. We wouldn't have had this whole experience. So experience. It, would gotten, it would have gotten in, in, it would have gotten in the way in order to show other people versus just having that experience yourself so that you can sh eventually share it. Right. Yeah. A couple of things to relate to like how, you know, to whoever's listening, it's that you don't have to do like I've, I've been grappling with this for years. I'm like, I have to be doing this stuff. So basically, I set my goal. I set my aim. 
I want to be the next Bourdain in my own way and pretty much want to bridge the hearts of cultures and people and tell interesting stories. That's my aim. I don't want to be a TikToker. I don't want to create fast pay. Like, I don't want to create just uh, clickbaity videos just to, that's not what I want to do. But I'm taking a lot of the pressure off myself that I have to do these things to get to this point because I've realized that, and this goes into the whole Kevin Kelly thing, just by having that interest, just by opening yourself to, you know, to what you are like, putting a lot of different things in here, but just for creating because it truly makes you happy, like creating for creat creating sake. And there's this Kurbanagit, uh, <laughs> dumping that in. Dumping that in too much. Creating sake. <laughs> just to understand who you are inside. It's not like I have to change my perspective from and I, I have, like on this trip, it's helped me a lot. Create for, to get to a certain point, instead of creating just because it makes me happy because it helps me understand myself. And as long as I keep doing that and simplifying, I will get to where I'm meant to go. And I have this lofty goal, but if I <laughs> stay on this path of like doing this, you know, the things that I do truly enjoy for an extended period of time, I guess the only way to do it for a long time is because you enjoy it. And I read, you know, in this age of social media, especially if you want to be a content creator, there's so many different platforms you feel like you have to be on, but cut it down to two, two that you actually enjoy. So YouTube, Instagram for me, and then I write on Medium. But I enjoy Instagram, I enjoy like actual podcasts and long form stuff and creating because I want to. And because of that, because of the energy, the love they put into the world, you were saying before you do it because you know lighthearted and because you actually enjoy it you're gonna get to where you're meant to go you're gonna show up in the best way possible that's the only way to do it sustainably and we had a big conversation about this i was so excited when you told me that you want to be the next anthony bourdain because that's a big dream and it's really important to have that big dream to have that thing you're aiming at and then you can let go of everything else you can let go of how you think it's going to happen how you feel like it needs to go, the ways to get there, and just let go and flow, exactly. flow through life. But having that real big aim is important mm -hmm. because it's the direction, it's that North exactly. Star you're moving towards. And we talked about finding that big aim is really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's not an enjoyable experience many times. The first time someone asks you, what do you want? What do you really want? You know, like, what do you really, really want? Like, what's your dream behind the dream? Yeah. It's usually uncomfortable because you're like, ah, I don't know, like I haven't thought about it. But once you grapple with that for a little bit and you come up with something, then it's like this huge weight off your shoulders because you know you took the time to be in that discomfort to figure out what you're aiming at and then you can take the pressure off. You can say, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I have absolutely no idea what it's going to look like, but that's where I want to go and let's go life. Let's see what happens. Seriously. And it feels like weight is off my shoulders. Like I... I enjoy writing the books and that's what I'm going to focus on for the next few months is finishing this Europe book. I just deleted TikTok. Like, even though, and I keep coming back to like how it applies, you don't have to do the things that just because other people find success through something that doesn't mean you have to. Just because the, the artist, we asked him like, so how did you blow up? He's like, oh, TikTok. I'm like, damn it. Like, is that <laughs> what I have to do? But I don't want to. So obviously it's resistance and you could see it as like, that means I have to do it, like face the resistance. But 
if it doesn't bring you joy, just don't. Why mess around with it? And there's like, a big difference between there's a big difference between resistance and resistance to something because it's scary and resistance to something because it misaligns with your values. True. So you and I both love long form sharing and like real deep authenticity. And my experience of TikTok is very short, very choppy, very, it's less authentic. Maybe, honestly, for me, just social media is less authentic. So that's right. why it, it clashes. It's not that I'm, I'm scared of doing it because I had a time where for five months I made a reel, a TikTok. Every single day I was doing YouTube videos. And it made me realize that even if I became a millionaire, a billionaire, but I had to do that every day, like that was my life, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be happy because you're spending all of your time which is the only, it's the most precious, precious resource. You're spending all of your time doing something you don't like. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's, I think, I mean, the concept, the big concept here is that these young, these young years we have in their 20s or even 30s, whatever, it's like. And 40s and 50s. It's life. It's all, all of it. life. There's no time, there's no cutoff point to start living a life that is authentic and true to who you truly are. And you gotta explore. I mean, kind of question. And it was like, even you asking me, like, what, I know what you asked specifically, but like, eventually got to the point where it was like, wow, this girl did actually ask recently. And I'm like, I think I want to be the next Anthony Bourdain. And what does that mean? It means that, I mean, I've already said it. I want to tell interesting stories. And obviously on a grand scale, like I want mm -hmm. to truly have an impact. And I love like, I love making you feel. So if that's, dare I say movies, if it's TV show, books is what I'm starting with, but have that aim. And maybe I don't get there. Maybe, you know, I live my whole life pursuing this thing and it doesn't end up on this grand scale, you know, that I imagined, but at least living a life that is passionate and a story worth telling. That life, even if you don't make it to where you want to go, is going to be so much more fun and enjoyable and exciting than if you just settled for something that was certain, but not what you wanted. Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing too, <laughs> the most important thing, <laughs> big statement, uh, kind of tying this together is that like in your twenties, we put so, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves like this, it came out hot and heavy on this podcast, like quit your job, do all this stuff. And you know, we're getting lighter and lighter. I think that is beautiful. And realizing that you will look back, I mean, I looked, my mom posts reels all the time, posts one today, it's like, in 20 years, you will look back and wish you were exactly where you were today. You would wish you were exactly this healthy, this happy, at this place, you would just be wishing for this experience again. And as you are looking for that thing you're passionate about, looking for what draws your curiosity, just realize that We'll never be this young. Maybe you'll be healthier than you are, but it is a gift and a privilege to be where you are now. And I mean, I've, I've definitely wasted time worrying and, but just not living in, in regret of that, just accepting that right now is the time to start and enjoy as much as possibly can. Enjoy the life you're given. Mm, enjoy it. That's what last thing I'll say before we wrap things up is that's what we were talking about yesterday. We're sitting in this park, the sun is going down, it's beautiful. And I was like, dang, we are so lucky. We have legs that work, we have two arms, 
we have a nose like if you're listening to this and you have a fully functioning body and you're healthy and you can do the things you enjoy on a day-to-day basis maybe it's not all the time maybe it's in between the commitments you have that you don't like as much but just being able to walk to move to breathe it is such a gift there's absolutely nothing to worry about and i was telling you like i want someone to tell me that every morning when i wake up just how lucky i am to remind me of that gratitude and i wish that i could feel that in all moments uh part of being human is that you won't yeah of course but just coming back to that always remembering that there's nothing to worry about it's all going to be okay this is such a great life you've gotten this far you got to this point you made it through all the obstacles for you but it's honestly it's not a joke that like you have legs you have arms living in a city has showed me how you know there's a lot of people who don't have that who aren't as fortunate just to be healthy is literally everything. Jordan Peterson says, any old, rich, decrepit person would give every cent they have to be young, poor, and healthy again. And I mean, if you got that, you got it all. So take advantage of what you have, enjoy your life. And but uh, what else we got? This it's is the end of a big trip. Oh, the end of a big trip. I'm flying out in a few hours. It has been a privilege and an honor, my friend. I yeah. love you. Love you, man, so much. Yeah, it's 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 definitely sad. It's sad to say goodbye to you, but it's more exciting than anything because we've got so much good stuff ahead of us. Just the beginning, bud. Love you. Love everyone who's been with us on this journey. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today.